Welcome to the High Performance Couples Podcast, a spinoff of the High Performance Insider Podcast. I'm certified high performance coach, Amanda Faust. And I'm David Faust. And we are coming together to share our mission to help couples lead high performing lives. We weren't always a high performance couple, but through working on ourselves as individuals and striving for a next level relationship, we have developed methods to help us continually move towards our highest potential. And we want to help you do the same. Join us as we walk through our highs, like growing our family and finding freedom through entrepreneurship, and our lows, like life after addiction and putting together the brokenness of our marriage, and of course, everything in between. You will walk away with actionable strategies to implement in your own marriage, your business, and overall everyday life. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Welcome to episode nine, where we're going to talk about the parenting tactic that changes everything. (laughs) Now, in all seriousness, this is a very timely episode because we experienced something today that made us reflect on this topic and we wanted to share it with you. We were like, emergency podcast meeting. So hot, hot off the press. That's yeah, hot off the press. So we're gonna try to explain this while also keeping our kids' business private because that's their business, not their ours. Business. Their so, story. Yeah. We're gonna attempt this, okay? Let's do it. <laughs> so first of all, to give you some background info, we are parents who really, really think long term when it comes to parenting. And that is the trick. That's the tactic, mm-hmm. as you can say. And it is to not parent in the now. I mean, be present in the now, but parent for the future, parent for the long term benefits that you want to see for your kids, which is really hard to do in today's society because everything is like immediate gratification. Like we want things to no. work. Out. <laughs> And so it's really hard in the moment because we have, especially the way we've built our family, it just, things take longer to click in terms of just our lifestyle and our way of life and all of that. And And that's on top of just being a normal kid. I mean, kids take a little bit longer to grasp concept, but just with the way that we built our family, there's just those extra layers of complication. Yeah. It's only because, you know, we have our scenario is a little bit different than most and the fact that we have to earn trust a lot more than some families because our kids a couple of them came to us at ages five and eight and they didn't have to like us they didn't have to trust us they didn't have to want anything to do with us thankfully they did very grateful for that <laughs> yes. but you know when we're telling them things different than what they're used to it took some time so all that to say is in the moment it would have been very easy to parent in the now to think through what is going to feel easiest what is going to make this go away what is going to make this pain and hardship stop and whether or not you're an adoptive family or not i know most of you probably aren't it still applies to you too yeah same principles yeah and because we do want to run away from pain. We do want comfort. And so parenting with a future perspective is anything but comfortable. Mm-hmm. So a couple examples I think would be helpful at this point. And that is, I think would be, is just being consistent with the rules that you have in place. So kids are looking for consistency in boundaries and they're always testing, um, but just making sure that you're just consistent with the rules that you have in place. But again, not a short-term thinking. So thinking long-term of who do I want my child to grow up to be, or, you know, those things that you want to instill in your child and then backing it into like that daily life of, okay, here's a, I'm trying to think of a good rule offhand. And one of the things we try to do is 
we don't talk about other people if they're not present. So that would be a rule that we have that, you know, it often, even I catch myself doing that sometimes where it's like, well, I guess probably shouldn't have that conversation because they're not present, but instilling that and being consistent and holding that standard that you want them to have and not giving into, well, it's just this once is fine, but being consistent in that rule. Yeah. And to be clear, we do want to create a safe space for our kids. If they do need to talk about things that are going on with friends or with things like that, they can absolutely talk about that. It's just more so if it is a way to demean someone or to gossip about someone, we want to make sure that we aren't creating a space where that is the norm to to do that. And so, so many times I remember when Liam was really, really little, and I feel like I can talk about it when they're really little. We can give examples of that because it's not as like, you know, it's not invading their privacy or anything. But when he was very little, I remember he threw so many tantrums, which is really ironic because he's totally chill now. You know, he definitely has emotions, but he is totally mellowed out. And so that's why I feel like I can share this. But I remember just watching these kids just throw themselves on the ground or, or overreact or something like that and watching the response of the parent being just how do I make it stop like how do I immediately make it stop mm-hmm. and you know thinking you know are we doing something wrong because we definitely would have consequences consistent consequences every single time one of the things we actually had set up in our home was a calming corner and our younger three kids used the calming corner quite a bit And what that looked like was a space where we had an emotions chart with a list of all the different emotions, which that was really fun for David because he was like, I didn't know there was a lot about them. (laughs) He's like, I thought there were like five. So yeah, that was several years ago. But anyway, it had that and it had tools for calming them down. So we had like a lot of sensory toys. We had some calming music. We had a picture of these like yoga poses they could do that had to do with animals. We had crayons to color these sheets that had like quotes on them. Now they couldn't read. So that was a little silly, but (laughs) the coloring part helped. And then I would tell them what it said, you know, just like a comfortable area for them to sit. Mm -hmm. And what they would do is if they had a meltdown, whether it was in public and we came back and did it, or it was at the home, they would have to go into the calming corner and pick two things to do to calm them down. Now, usually they didn't want to. Yeah. It wasn't like, I'm going to go to the calming corner. It was go to the calming corner and pick two things. And so they didn't want to go, but every single time they did, they were able to regulate themselves and calm down. And I remember for a while thinking like, is this just silly? Like, should we not be doing this because they never want to go and then we have to fight and then we're like pushing them to calm down. Like, you know, and I know for me, think about it when somebody is like, calm down. It's like the opposite of what you want to do, but it taught them tools to where now there's, there's been times I've been stressed and Liam has been like, mommy, let's take a deep breath together. And we like breathe in coaching you four beats and breathe out. And like, there were times when Evelyn would like do yoga poses and different things like that. And I'd be like, what are you doing? As she got older, we weren't using the calming corner anymore. She would be like, I'm just calming myself down, mommy. I'm just, you know, making my heart beat differently. That's what she would say, like little things like that. And which, you know, we understand that your heart races when you're stressed. She didn't really understand what that meant, but she knew it made her heart beat differently. And so just being able to create things that at the time felt like we were like forcing them to do this calming experience that didn't, that felt anything but calm at the time, but did regulate them. And now they use these tactics 
long-term and are able to do them in their own spaces that they now love. I think it's a great example of teaching them young with that long-term perspective of being able to express their emotions because that was something that for for myself and I think a lot of people, knowing what your emotions actually are as an adult, we weren't really taught that as a young age, but two things that I think you did really well, I don't know if you said this or not, but you had pictures of stuff on that calming corner as well. So when they're too young to read the words, you had yeah. pictures of like, I think it was like food. It was pretty basic, but it was an easy way for them to identify what they were feeling and thinking and point that out. Yeah, the feelings weren't just words, they were faces. It was faces, yeah. That yeah, was it. They were expressions. So like when Liam was two or three and he obviously couldn't read, he would just go up and point to the face that the he face. was feeling. And honestly, like you we don't give kids enough credit. Like they really do know. They know. They yeah. know how they're feeling. They just need to be given a space to express that. Yeah. And I think also like usually when kids want to express themselves, especially at a younger age, it's always at a time that's not the best yeah. <laughs> you're out in public or you're around where it's like you can't put them in a calming corner because you're in a shopping center yeah. but i think that also encourages like so like what we would do in those moments would just be like talk about when we get home do you need to go to the calming corner so it gave a reference of hey you kind of act in a way that you're not expressing yourself very well and it kind of it gets them to kind of stop and think about and self-regulate like okay is this an appropriate behavior because they are smart, like you're saying, and they do, they do know what they're thinking and needing, but they may just need that time. So that's a good way to communicate when you're out and about of using still that same language, but being able to, to implement it when you're out, knowing that they can go to that common corner when they get home. Yeah. And there were times even we'd be out in public and Evelyn would maybe be dysregulated in some way and we would hold hands and we would breathe together and you can do that anywhere. You don't have to like wait for that. And I know there were times I had like sensory stuff in my bag for them. One of the things, I don't even know what they're called, but I've seen them places, but it's like those jars with like the sparkles and the colors in them and you flip them over and it like all of the the glitter and stuff go down and it's like a snow globe but yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> they love those because they're able to calm the chaos that's perfect yeah i think it's a great tool to have in your purse or in your back pocket as a guy i don't know <laughs> i didn't really carry those it was mainly you in your purse yeah so basically that's one example of being able to look beyond the here and now and not just like okay just whatever here's my phone or you know just please be quiet or Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not we have to get out of the phase of what what can i do now to make it stop and think long term of what can i do to equip them with ways that they don't need me to self-regulate like yes we want to be there for kids a hundred percent david and i both want to be comforters we both want to be the first call they make when they need something but we also want to be able to have them trust themselves to be able to handle anything that comes their way yeah yeah i think the second thing is well for me that was important was realizing that you're not just trying to silence that emotion or that feeling but allow them to express it and then also knowing that long term you're raising a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife to where, you know, you're not raising a child, you're raising an adult. So in the moment when things are happening, to be present, to be calm, to be 
there to offer advice that that's not going to ruin that relationship. So having that long-term perspective of this is a friendship that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. Is this really nurturing that relationship or is it trying to shut it down? That's something I caught myself when that was explained to me. I was like, oh yeah, wow. <laughs> I got some work to do. Mm-hmm. And it's still I catch now. It's like when I'm, when you're busy, caught up in your day to day, or you bring that home with you and your kids are being kids, you want to quickly shut it down or I want to quickly shut it down. But it's something that's like, okay, I really need to, I need, I need to go to my calming corner, take five minutes, reset, and come back with a fresh attitude of like, hey, they're being kids, they're being normal. And this is something that this is a relationship I don't want to hurt or damage right now. It's something I want to continue on for long term. So the best thing I need to do is step away and allow these things to happen, but also regulate it. Yeah. No, that's good. I if you don't mind me saying, of in, course, our, open. <laughs> in our early years of parenting, David parented a lot differently than he does now. And I mean, I'm a little bit woo-woo, so I've always been the, you know, yoga, calming corner, let's talk about our feelings type parent. And not to say that that's always right either, because sometimes we just need to have fun. It's more of a drill sergeant. David, yes, I was going to say, I remember using the phrase a lot, like, you, or, you don't run a military camp, David. Like, he wanted authority, he wanted discipline he wanted them to respect and i remember saying you have to earn their respect mm-hmm. like i think so many times we think just because we are adults and we're parents we deserve respect and like in some ways that's true like i definitely think kids should respect people but at the same time like if you're not living a life deserving of respect i don't want our kids to grow up and feel like they have to just listen to everyone around them mm-hmm. if they disagree i want them to be able to have a voice and and David agrees with that too now, but for a while, it was more of an ego thing. Like he wasn't yeah. feeling great about himself at the time. And so it felt like he had power in some way. And even though it was nothing crazy, it was just more just like raising voice or, or not, not being nurturing. I would say that's the biggest thing. It just yeah. wasn't nurturing. It was just one of those things where I kept saying like, you know, you, these kids are going to grow up and you're not going to have a relationship with them. And I know that's the last thing you wanted because that was never the issue. It was never a, I don't want a relationship with them. You always wanted a relationship. You just didn't know how to nurture that. And you've really turned that around for a while. You've turned that around and it's been incredible to watch. What is the quote? And I can't remember what it is. It's basically like if making anyone feel inferior is not from God. But it was a it was a biblical principle of I think it was a devotion I was doing, but the general thing was like when you make someone feel inferior or suppressed, that is not from Christ. And he never did that to people. And so it was just like, whoa, the example that I have that I'm trying to live by is not what I'm actually doing. And so that was like a big wake-up call for me of, hey, this is this attitude is not one of an example that you're trying to mirror. Yeah, absolutely. And and we, you're their father and you want them to view their heavenly father in a way that is nurturing and is somebody they can trust and go to with every single emotion. And they absolutely know that now they know they can come to you with anything and you are that person. But I think it's just interesting because so many times the, the feeling or the action we want them to give us we actually are pushing away. So as much as you wanted respect, you were doing everything but getting their respect because of the way you were leading. And so just being able to like evaluate yourself and think like, is this, I loved what you said about, is this going to give me a long-term relationship with my kid that's healthy? 
Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about the long-term relationship where they live with you till they're like 50. <laughs> because... <Jeez>, no, <laughs> that is not what we're talking about. <laughs> but more just like, I mean, Evelyn might live with us forever, but that's... We might have one child that lives with this. <laughs> but anyway, I, yeah, just knowing that you want that you want that long-term relationship and you know maybe your kids will get married maybe they won't maybe they'll have children maybe they won't but if they do you want to make sure you're preparing them for their spouse you want to make sure they're pre you're preparing them for the next generation and so anyway all that to say today we had a scenario and we're not going to go into the exact scenario like i said but i wanted to share that you know we have a teenager well this is a teenager and with that, I think it's a given, she wouldn't mind us saying this, that, you know, teenagers are hard. They're figuring themselves out. They want a voice now more than ever. I feel like it's like they want a voice when they're toddlers, and then they really want a voice when they're teenagers. It's like, I mean, there's, between. there is an in-between, but it's just very excessive in the, those years. But anyway, a lot of times her voice comes with, you know, thinking she's right all the time and not taking personal responsibility. And that's a huge, huge thing we teach in our family and to each other. I mean, there's times we call each other out and I'm like, David, you're not taking personal responsibility or Amanda, are you gonna, you'll be like, are you going to apologize? And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, sure. So we preach on that a lot. Like if you do something wrong, own it, just own it. We talk about that all the time. And so that usually doesn't happen. There's not usually ownership and there's not usually personal personal responsibility. And honestly, never in the moment with us. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, it's been years, like mm -hmm. years of preaching that and Many me thinking, <laughs> when is this going to click? Like how many times do you have to say it? Like, I don't understand when is there going to be a time where something is done wrong mm -hmm. and there's personal responsibility as the initial response and not yeah. the thing that comes days and days and days or weeks later. And so anyway, we got a call from the school today about an incident and I was preparing to battle. Like, <laughs> I was preparing to have to, you know, defend why it was wrong and get, convince her and all the things because I just didn't think that that was going to happen because that's been the history. And, and so I, unfortunately, she had something after school. And so I had to have her call me on David's phone because he picked her up and I wanted to make sure we talked before it was going to be a late night because she has musical practice. And so she called me. And so I said, you know, Matea, do you want to talk about what happened today? And I was prepared. I was like, all right, we're going to go into battle. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Gloves on, her helmet, and she was ready. <laughs> just an argument. Mouthpiece in, she was ready. Yeah, no karate moves or anything yet. But she was amazing. Like, I will always remember that moment because she shared what she did wrong. And she told me what she did to resolve the situation. She had already written apologies to the people that she wronged. And literally it had happened maybe a couple hours before. Yeah. She had written apologies. She had taken ownership. She had also asked for forgiveness. She had dealt with, uh, there was an issue with some grades as a consequence. And so she already asked how she could get some extra credit. She had already worked on the extra credit. I mean, all this happened in a matter of a few hours. Mm -hmm. And I was just so shocked, <laughs> but also <laughs> so impressed and proud because it's like she went out into the world and did a thing she shouldn't have done. But then it's not even about the mistakes. We all make mistakes. It was, it's about how you respond to them. And mm -hmm. that was the thing that we just couldn't seem to break through with her. Mm -hmm. and, she, and it happened. It clicked. 
Yeah. And not to say that now every time it's going to be this great smooth sailing thing, but I will say that we have had enough things click in our kids. We don't have little, little kids anymore. So we've seen enough evidence of once it clicks, it really does it click. click yeah. It really does. And so all those late, late nights of trying to have conversations and giving examples and sharing our own experiences and all the things that we were just like, why isn't this clicking? And seeing it click was just incredible. It was amazing. It was, yeah. a, it was a glimpse into, okay, if you are consistent, if you stick with it, it does pay off. Yeah, it does and pay you off. See it. And for her to get to actually implement it in real life without us, like we weren't yeah. even involved. Yeah, and that's scenario. what made me excited. I was like, oh, you did that. Oh, wow. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Like I was prepared it's to like, tell her to do everything yeah. she did, but we didn't have to. She did it. She already knew what we were going to say. <laughs> it's like, yep. might as well get on it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, I just, I wanted to share that today as an encouragement because I know today we had a parenting win, but there's been a lot of days where we didn't feel like we won and feeling burnout. And so if there are things that you're trying to work on right now with your kids and you're like, I wish there was just a secret to this parenting thing. Stick with it. Stick with it. Can be consistent and think long-term because I know that when she's older and she has another mistake and another mistake and another mistake, because mm. we all do, she's going to now know that feeling of, wait, I can take ownership and no one's going to hate me or yeah. judge me. And I think that was it. I think it was this fear of like, well, if I admit it, then that makes me like a failure. I mean, yeah. she's not, but you know, we feel that way, right? Like, oh, if I say it, that means I failed or that means they might look at me differently or I might get a name for myself or whatever it might be. We all have false narratives. But now that she sees like, oh, wait, I handled this. And my parents like, well, hey, you didn't have to lecture me, <laughs> but like B gave grace. And then my teachers and staff were able to like see that I'm not that person and that I am, you know, yeah. I don't know, just being able to see evidence that the world didn't fall apart by her taking ownership, I think is going to empower her to do it even more. So I would say a couple of things just to give you some practical things to walk away with. Cause I know it's nice to like hear the stories and hear examples, or at least I like that part, but there's also that part of like, okay, so what do I do with that? So think through, you might have, you know, one kid, you might have multiple kids. They're all different, right? So think through what are the things in each kid that you struggle with the most? How do you respond? Are you happy with your response? Like what is your response usually when there's things that your kids are doing that you don't want them to do. And I, I want to be clear too. I do feel like I need to make a disclaimer that like, this isn't molding your children to be these like perfect little beings that don't ever make mistakes or that are, you know, who you want them to be. Like we, our ultimate goal is to mold them into who God created them to be and who they, who they are and they're uniquely made. And so these aren't tactics to, you know, change their personalities or change who they are. Those are tactics to just make sure that like your family values are being honored and it's a generational legacy that you're leading. That's what I was going to chime in on too, is that I think one thing we have done as a family is written out our family values. So it's not only Amanda and I making these things up and saying, this is who we need you to be. It's including our family, because I know if you've listened to a previous episode of setting our yearly goals, we have our family values. We've set those. So each of our kids know kind of an expectation of 
like their own expectation of who they want to be, but also like who we are of like being honest. That is one of our values. And just knowing that, you know, it, we have that expectation because we've agreed on it as a family that we're going to hold you accountable to being honest in every circumstance. And so therefore, you know, it's, it's one of those building blocks that, yeah, the first time of making sure we're honest, they may just be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But it's the consistency of holding that value over and over that it's ingrained that, okay, this is something that we really do live by and hold each other accountable to instead of just that one-time thing. Yeah, I actually pulled up our family mission statement here because I think it's good to know, I guess, have an example of, and please know this is not the standard for everyone. <laughs> like you got to create your own mission statement. And in fact, we actually have a at-home date night creating your own family mission statement, your own mantra as a couple. And so I forgot about that until you were talking about it. I was like, oh, we should put that in the show notes. So we will. But also I wanted to read our family mission statement here. It says, the Faust family shows respect, love, and kindness to everyone, no matter what. We laugh together in the good times and work through every hard time. We put God and family first. We love unconditionally, forgive each other's mistakes, and take personal responsibility. We work hard to show God's love by living a life that pleases Him. We are mission-minded kingdom builders who fear nothing because we know we and the generations to come already have victory found in Jesus Christ. So a lot of ours have our religious beliefs in them. So, you know, that may not be something that fits your family, but I think the character traits of respect, love, kindness, all of that are really important. And I want to point out that nothing in here talks about how they show up in the world with their personality or who they are. I mean, there are definitely things about some of our kids that I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, where did you, yeah. like, where did you get that? I don't even know. And, you know, things that sometimes would be easier to shut down. And I want to, I want that to be something that you're aware of is like, am I shutting down something because it's actually like going against our family values? Mm. Or am I shutting it down just because like it annoys me or I want to deal with it? Like, exactly. you know, it's honest, right? Yeah, it's very true. That's a real life example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been times we've had to stop ourselves and be like, no, this isn't like, this isn't that important. Like we yeah. can't shut this down, but these things over here, we are going to be consistent on. Yep. And so defining that and then defining how you want your response to be and figuring out what works for each kid too. And and like I said, realizing that not every kid is the same. So your responses yeah. are going to be, are going to have to be different. I'm going to give a silly example of like the value of being honest is one we're going to hold you to. Amanda hates cats. That's just a fact, but all of the kids. Sorry, the cat thing. lovers. <laughs> But all of our kids love cats and they talk about all the time how they're going to have cats when they're older. And Amanda just has to let that go because you know what? It's long-term. It's fine if they have a cat. She just won't visit. No, I will visit. I tell them that all the time. They're very concerned. They're like, yeah, will you visit? No, she won't. She'll sit out in the car. She'll call you from the car. Just kidding. No, it's fear of theirs. They're like, mommy, are you come over if I get a cat? Like, yes, I will absolutely come over. I just don't want one in my house. And it's a silly example, but it is true. Like, she's she's not trying to stop them from having a cat, but it's one of those like starting our family value. We're gonna let that one go. But (laughs) you can have a cat when you're older, but not in my house. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, I think just defining what are the I guess hills you're gonna die on when it comes to consistency. What are the things that maybe you're letting go that you need to stop letting go? Maybe there's things that you need to take a stand on in your family and really be like, no, this is not what we do as a family. Like, that's not who we are. 
I, I say that a lot. Like if the kids are doing certain things, they'll be like, we are not, that is not who we are as a family. And you're not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And it helps because I think having an identity that they can get on board with. And, and I want to be clear too, that we created this together. And yes. because of that, they do take ownership. Yeah. And I think it has to be created as a family. It yeah. has to, you have to have an equal say in it as, as each family member has to have an equal say in it because without that, it's just, they're not they're, it's dictatorship. You're, <laughs> they're not going to listen to what you want, what you have to say. But mm -hmm. if, you know, if they say, yeah, I want to be honest, then that's kind of that that's giving you permission as a parent to hold them accountable to being honest yeah. versus me telling my child, you have to be honest. Well, what if I don't want to? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. just start instead of creating that conflict and that war, it just frees you up as a parent to you have permission to speak that in that truth into their life. Yeah. We often say like, who is it that you want to be? And you know, my, my kids, they have different answers every time, but usually they're they're I mean, they're different, but similar, right? Like they ultimately want to be people who make a difference in the world and people who are loving and kind and compassionate and all that kind of stuff. And so it's easy when they're being a certain way to be like, are you acting now who you hope to be in the future? And I mean, even asking ourselves that, right? Like is when they don't want to work hard, when they don't want to do things, it's like, I know I've said a few times to the boys, especially like, well, what happens when your wife needs help and you don't want to do it? And not to say that 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 they're going to get married or anything because they might not, but they want to. They say yeah. they want to. So I'm like, well, if you want to, then are you going to help her? Like, how's this going to work? Yeah, and and just reminding them that what they're doing now is training them to be good spouses one day. The things I hope that you get from this is that one, you do take that long term perspective when parenting, and then also like the call to action is really I would say, go create a family mission statement, and we'll include in the show notes that link to help you build that, but do it as a family, do it as a fun project on the weekend to where your kids can be involved. I will say, you know, don't expect a long drawn out conversation. It may be a quick five minute conversation and maybe take several conversations, but it does happen. Ours has grown through the years. Yeah. Those conversations, the first time I think we did it, it wasn't it last very long, no. but just encourage you to really sit down, try it out with your family. And don't expect everything to be perfect the first time, but just kind of keep that conversation going and keep that long-term parenting in mind when discipline's coming. And remember that you're building that relationship. You're not just shutting down the annoying thing that's happening in front of you. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this and we look forward to chatting with you next time. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the High Performance Couples Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review to help us spread the word. Also, we wanted to let you know about a free resource we created that you don't want to miss. We love helping couples find ways to connect and go deep with one another. No more surface level conversation. It's time to really get to know one another on a deeper level. So we created high performance couples conversation cards to download for your next date night. Head to the link in our show notes to download our free couples conversation cards and take your dates to the next level. Then email amanda at highperformanceinsider.com and let us know what you think. Until next time, keep pursuing your highest potential.